With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everyone, to Rock'em Nation Podcast. Uh, this is Sam Snelling. This is an episode of Dive Cuts. With me is Matt Harris. We are going to talk Mizzou basketball, jumping right in. No uh, hesitations, no goofy monitors, mo- monikers, <laughs> monitors. Too much time at the old help desk, Matt. Um, Mizzou has won basketball games, multiple basketball games. Matt, since the last time we've talked, they have, in fact, won two in a row, three of their last four. How are you feeling at this moment? My, uh, mildly optimistic. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Always measured. Yeah. Um, Always never measured. Effusive. Always realistic. Just what people tune in for for a podcast at a at a tastefully done fan blog. <laughs> so uh, I feel good. You know, they're winning basketball games. I think I said to you earlier today, like there's a sliding scale. Like early on in the season we sort of you know, kind of focus on process over results, like Oh, how's the offense looking? What kind of things are they running? Oh, that action's interesting. Ooh, that lineup combination's kind of creative. And by the time you get to, like, mid-February, it's like, this thing could be, like, the basketball equivalent of gruel. But if it gets the job done, like, the results are all that matter. So, you know, for a team that's, you know, been through some struggles and kind of just all over the place this season... Wins are all that should matter. They're the only currency that should sort of 
you know take precedence right now. So we'll talk about the particulars, but I think you know if you're looking at the top line, they're winning basketball games, and that and that's really all that matters. Is this as we kind of wind down the season? So you know me fairly well at this point, and sort of how I view um, progress is more analytically than than say win loss but it is nice i guess for um you know missouri even with uh some of their injury issues to already be uh at their sec win total that they hit last year uh i don't like even though the league is very much very clearly down from where it was a year ago um and much more so than it was two years ago still having five games to play uh and and you're already at your win total from from last year which is five games i i think you can view that as one step in in like the the progress of the program um but the concern that i have is you know basically like even though the wins have been coming the you know progress in the analytics has been moderate (laughs) yeah like so since the start of this they've bumped up a bit um so i think they were in like the one teens and now they're in the low 100s um you know basically there was a a projected uh two-point win over Ole Miss and they won by three and i said in study all like i don't really think either team played well um you know essentially Brian Tyree is really good, uh, and Xavier Pinson played as well as he's played all year and was able to match that production. And then there was enough other things that happened for Missouri for them to sort of be a little bit better. It helps playing at home. Um, but if you play that same game in Oxford, like that's probably going to be a loss. Like that's just sort of how the home team tends to kind of get uh, those those ones too. So for Missouri to kind of be heading into this next stretch where they have two road games in a row uh, and three of their last five on the road, they're going to have to figure out a way to play better on the road, uh, play more efficient. And you can't necessarily count on them playing like they did at LSU because LSU is a team that can look disinterested for uh, 30 minutes of game action and then just sort of decide to start playing. Um, and I think you, you can see that a lot when um, when they take on teams that are towards the bottom of the conference, it's, I think it's one of the reasons why they got picked off by Vanderbilt. Like they, they just sort of slept, walked through it. They're like, Oh, we can just outscore them. And then you realize at some point, Oh, you kind of have to play defense. And sometimes against a team that needed that confidence boost, like that's, it's too late. Um, and, and I'm not saying like, I think Mizzou is in a much better place than, than Vanderbilt, uh, is, um, you know, but that is another road game that they're going to have where, you know, Vandy is looking for another win and they have to be circling that game on the calendar thinking, well, here's a team that we can pick off. You know, they're, they're at the bottom of the conference standings along with us. And so I would like to see, um, I mean, really, I would like to see Jeremiah Tillman and Mark Smith come back and Missouri to, to start playing more at the top 50 level that I think they're capable of playing. Um, you know, and, and maybe those two guys can sort of take some of the pressure uh, away from, you know, Drew Smith and Xavier Pinson. Because right now those guys are doing a lot of heavy lifting. 
And it's a, it's a lot to ask. It's sort of like, I mean, Jordan Geist did so much for this team last year. Uh, and maybe his uh, sort of excellence and patchwork um, sort of patching over some, some ugly spots in the roster made us overestimate how good some of the other guys were. Uh, and, and so now we're kind of seeing that the same thing with like Drew and, and we've seen this explosion from X, which has been awesome. I'm really happy for him. I hope he's able to continue at least some level of that. I don't think it's realistic to expect him to score 30 points a game for the rest of the season. Um, I know that sounds crazy, but most players, even the best players don't <laughs> have that kind of consistency in scoring from night to night. So I don't know. Like I like I'm I'm happy they're winning. I do think that there's some um maybe overexcitement for like what's happened and and not necessarily paying attention to uh some of the things we were kind of talking about er- earlier like, you know, the, the the process of it. Um so I'm I'm I I think it's good that they've gotten wins. I still think that your goal is what like to get three wins out of the the next five games, uh, and if you can, if you can win your home games and sneak one on the road, you get to eight and ten. I have to, I have to think you consider that a a, a good season, uh, considering the uh, the factors that sort of went against them early on. Yeah, and the one thing, uh, you know, somebody today was like, well, they get, you know, I think they can beat Mississippi State and Alabama at home, and you know. It, it always helps to get quality teams at your place, but, you know, to me, I think the hard part here is that every team they're playing right now is desperate. You know, Arkansas is, you know, absolutely, has absolutely hit the skids. They're one in five in games that Isaiah Joe has missed. The defense has kind of come unglued a little bit. You know, they've slid kind of the back end of the bubble. You know, they, they've got five games left to really start trying to salvage an at-large bid. And, you know, uh, th- there's going to be a sense of desperation when they go to Bud Walton on Saturday. And, you know, the same thing can sort of be said about Mississippi State and Alabama. These are Three of these opponents are fighting for their bubble lives right now. They're fighting to stay in postseason contention to get an NCAA tournament bid. And so the stakes for them won't be in question. Vanderbilt would love to have more than one SEC win in the last two years. And that team has been fighting its ass off. If you watch them, you may think, oh, you know, they only got one win. That team fights so hard. You know, they yeah, they picked off or nearly picked off, off Tennessee, Tennessee the other game. night. I mean, at Tennessee, that's a, that's a tough place to play. And you know, they're fighting and they're scratching and they're clawing. You know, maybe they'll they'll get Ole Miss at, at home. Maybe Ole Miss will sort of be, you know, weary and kind of at at the end of its rope. But, you know, I think you have to look at the context in which they're going to be playing these games. There are four teams that are with a lot to play for, respectively. And I think the difference is, too, you know, unlike the first time they played, Arkansas will be at full strength. They will have Isaiah Joe. We don't know, you know, you know how much... You know how much he'll look like the Isaiah Joe we we know and expect, but having him back eases a ton of pressure on Mason Jones. You know, Mississippi State is not battling a major injury. 
you know, I don't know if they're going to be 25 or 30 points better than Missouri and Columbia, but they've still got that front line, which absolutely dominated Missouri. And Alabama, you know, Herb Jones, you know, hurt his wrist, but their top three guards are, are still around, are still healthy. So there, there's not going to be a key injury hobbling somebody. There won't be, you know, a, teams that are sort of, you know, scuffling along. This is going to be a tough closing stretch for them. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, where, you know, obviously I think they're playing with some more confidence, but, you know, it'll, it'll just be interesting to see kind of what that looks like in a closing stretch that I think is going to be tougher than some people might assume. Yeah. So, uh, to, to continue the downward trend, I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm kidding actually. To, to make, to make people <laughs> even more upset with us because we're not effusive with praise. Like, you know, cause I do think that, I mean, there is reason for you to like feel good, like, because f- I, I, I think that there's been a lot of really, really crappy luck with this program, um, and that extends to, I mean, even some of the things that I was kind of telling you about, and I put in, uh, I put in study hall about like the last minute against Ole Miss. It's like Mizzou had control of the game; they're knocking down their free throws, and you know, freaking Kadeem Sai knocks Banks down a three pointer. And you're like, I mean, like, <laughs> like Charleston Southern can't hit a three to save their lives, and of course they shoot forty eight percent against Missouri. Uh, you know, it's just like, like this is the kind of like luck that this team has had, and for uh, a short swing here, we've seen it kind of go the other way. Um, you know, in particular, like Auburn getting the break threes. of right of of Auburn, not just breaking threes, but getting a game without Isaac Okoro. I mean, Auburn is very clearly a different team with Isaac Okoro than they are without him. And and even though I think if you play that game probably 10 times, Auburn's still going to win, what, like seven of them. Um, even even though that's probably the case, you know, with or without Isaac Okoro, he is clearly a guy that makes a difference on that team. And and, and so for, for Missouri to sort of catch Auburn on a night where they didn't have you know a lottery draft pick playing uh and a night where they you know couldn't seem to buy a three-pointer was fortunate now they took advantage they they executed they attacked the rim they had a really good night offensively uh you know they they did make auburn you know take tougher shots and uh and in turn they got a really nice double-digit win like that's nothing that you you take away from missouri for that but there was some, and there always is a little bit of luck that you need uh, in in playing good basketball. And and for a long time, man, Missouri has just not had those breaks. And so it's kind of it's been nice over the last few weeks to sort of see them get some breaks. You know, see that you know the ball that sort of bounces, um, you know, between two guys. And um, I thought there was like a couple plays against Auburn where. You know, offensive rebounds would like hit an Auburn guy and bounce between two of them and go right to uh, a Mizzou guy, and it's just like, all right, like that's the kind of breaks that you need. You know, sometimes you're you're working and you're hustling and you're doing all those things, and the ball just goes the other way. You just there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and I'm really happy that 
uh, that that these guys are getting to see things that you know okay we're the ball is going our way we're we're knocking in the shots that we need to knock in where uh, we're taking advantage of the right play at the right time and uh, and and making plays down the stretch as opposed to watching the other team make plays. Yeah, and I think that there's it's it's been hard I think for for us to sort of and people who listen to us probably listen to us grapple with you know how to fit this team into context and like you know trying to you know understand how they evolved and there's so many kind of confounding variables like okay Tillman's out and now Mark Smith is out and now there are guys that are injured for the other team like it's it it's been hard at times to really sort of like you said earlier sort of assess where the process of this team's sort of growth has been and that's not to say it's going to get any easier down the stretch here but like the last three or four games like I think it's been easy for me to sort of you know, go through the box score and, and watch and sort of understand, okay, here's what's happening. Here's why this is happening. And here's sort of, you know, what sort of sense we should make of it. And that's nice. I mean, that's it's refreshing to sort of have the ability to, you know, be clear-eyed in terms of what we're seeing in terms and, you know, fitting it into a context that doesn't require a bunch of caveats. So th- that's been a nice sort of change there. But at the same point in time, you know, I, I think we're – and we've talked about it today, you know, I think we get into a position where we're more pragmatic than some fans are because, <laughs> but I understand that because like, you know, for a Missouri fan, you want to tune in, you, you want to watch this team play good basketball. And they have for, you know, longer stretches than they have at any other point in the season. You know, everybody was pinning hopes on the sophomores taking a step forward. And Xavier Pinson's played well in the last four games. That's undeniable. The stats, you know, the raw stats will tell you that he's played well. And, you know, guys have wanted to see, you know, we've said all year there's got to be balance up and down the lineup. Well, in two of these games there was. You know, I think at LSU and against Arkansas there was some good balance up and down the starting five. So for as much as we want to, like, I think be pragmatic and sort of fit things into the proper context, a lot of the things we've said we've wanted to see from this team have sort of transpired. And you don't want to run down this group just because it hasn't been the exact optimal outcome that we would like <laughs> to see. So I, I, that, that's been, I guess, the hard thing for me to do is, you know, say, okay, I can see clearly what's happening now. I can understand what's happening. Yeah, it's, a, it's sort of a relief to see these things transpiring. But let's not put too much weight on what we're seeing. Let's not drift too far the other direction. So I think that that's going to be the challenge on the stretch here is to not put too much weight on, on what we're seeing, if that makes any sense. Well, it does. And I think that's sort of, you know, how I've been approaching it. And I think that, but it's also, I feel like we should go back and have people listen to the things that we were saying when Mizzou wasn't uh, winning basketball games. Um, and defending, I think, the team to a degree because you watch them run their offense and get good shots, and the shots don't go in. And you see on on Twitter and you know Facebook or uh, comment sections, uh, you know Tiger Board, whatever. Everyone's just like, this offense is terrible. Everyone's standing around. They can't do anything. It's horrible. Konzo should be fired. Um, 
and now all of a sudden the shots are going in with more frequency and everyone's happy and and the offense is fixed and the reality is it's like they're they're doing the same stuff they're they're just making shots uh now part of it is i mean they have de-emphasized the three-point shooting uh they've made a concerted effort to attack the rim a large part of that is the personnel um when jeremiah tillman is on the floor uh you want to use him to to create your space and to create your angles. Um, when <laughs> Reed Nico is on the floor, you don't. You want to put him in the dunker spot and uh, or or in a high pick and roll and and try to get downhill. Um, and they do that with those other guys as well. But for the most part, it it just it feels like the even though for the most part, things have sort of stayed the same analytically. Uh, the thing that's brought me the most relief is is like the, the pressure valve release of just seeing the ball go in, seeing a few wins in the column, and, and that pressure now is off the team because people are feeling more optimistic uh, and they can play a little bit more loose because when things aren't going well, you really play tight. And when things are going better and you're, you're getting a few breaks here and there, then the fans are more likely to show up. You're more likely to play in front of a, a good crowd. Uh, and when you play in front of a good crowd, you, you tend to you know play with more energy. And, and energy usually helps guys play better. At like, yeah, that, there's a saying in coaching, it's like the ball finds energy. Um, and that, that just means that the guys that play hard and play with energy are usually the ones that get to the ball. Uh, whether it's a loose ball, a, a rebound, or um, you know, or, or find themselves open for shots, like that's usually how it works. And and so for me, like that's the biggest thing takeaway that I I would have is is like the the pressure valve of you know been released on this team, and they're able to just play a little bit more loose. Yeah, and I think I said last week the, and we can never prove it, but I think they're psychologically, I think it sort of helped coming out of the A&M game you know obviously you want to have Tillman available obviously I think his impact has been felt more defensively I've I've been ardent in saying that I think where he helps this team is more on that end of the floor but I think there was something about you know seeing Tillman you know play Texas A&M and then realize okay he's not coming back he's going to be out again for an extended stretch there's no guy coming in to help us revert to what we want to do. We're not waiting for Tillman to come back and be a guy who we, you know, run split cuts off the post for, or, you know, we dump the ball inside, you know, if worse comes to worse. There was, I think, sort of a realization that, okay, now, yeah, we act, if we're going to get to the rim, this is what's going to have to happen. We're going to have to be fully committed to driving the ball, playing downhill, and, and sort of being assertive that way. And I think they were helped by you know immediately getting Arkansas, which has zero rim protection to speak of. And I think that's one of those kind of you know situations where the fates kind of work in your favor, where you're looking to try and change and embrace, you know, okay, we do have to kind of be more attack-minded off the bounce. And now here's an opponent that's going to let us do that. And then they go to LSU, a team that can't contain a dribbler to save its life. And so I think they got a little bit of a, a fortunate kind of turn in the schedule there to where they could, you know, fully embrace, you know, the change in tactics 
they found some success, it's bred some confidence. And like you said, I think it's sort of seeped in to every other kind of pore of what they do. And it's trickled down and our fans are showing up and kind of giving them that extra boost when they need it. So it, it's like we've been saying, we can, you, we can be as analytically minded as we want. We can you know, be as scheme minded as you want. But sometimes you just need a certain orchestration or order of events to happen for you to sort of, you know, turn the direction of a season. And, and they've gotten that. And, you know, it's a credit to them that, they, that they've, you know, been tough and resilient enough mentally to be in a position to where they could close the season with a pretty good run here if, if you know, some of the things we're seeing carry forward. So uh, Saturday at Arkansas, projected loss, Kempom uh, by six. Uh, Wednesday at Vanderbilt, projected Kempom win by one. Um, following Saturday, Mississippi State uh, at home, projected loss by one. Um, again on the road at Ole Miss a projected loss by five, and then a home game against Alabama, which is right now a projected loss by a point. And I say right now because you know Alabama is a team that kind of goes hot and cold. They could go on a cold spell and and, and fall from 55 to 75 in Kempom, and then that becomes a win, um, or projected win anyway. Um, so kind of looking ahead a little bit, Arkansas, obviously, Isaiah Joe, who isn't quite having the year that I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people probably expect the kind of year that Isaiah, or that Mason Jones is having, would be the one that Isaiah Joe would have. But uh, Joe is a little bit more of a uh, spot-up guy. and uh, But still, getting a guy that can potentially give you, you know, seven three-pointers in a game is always going to help a team right now that that's struggling uh, and struggling on, on the offensive side of the floor where really their only main option is, is Mason Jones. And I, Desi Stills has given him, uh, you know, a little bit of a lift, but, but for the most part, it's Mason Jones or, or they're dead. Yeah. Uh, they've, you know, sometimes, you know, you might get Edro Bailey at the margins, you know, you, Jimmy Witt can, you know, knock down shots in the mid-range but I think Jimmy's only I actually want to look this up I think Jimmy's only attempted one three this year which is just a yep he is 153 for 310 inside the arc oh of one behind it so Jimmy does not shoot threes you know Mason's you know like we've said kind of a guy who wants to play more downhill you know Bailey can occasionally step out and knock in a three but outside of that they just don't have a ton of jump shooting and, you know, Missouri has shown that they can play great positional defense. They can force you to take contested shots. And they'll have enough size to get on the glass and, you know, control second possession. So it'll be interesting just what the road environment is like there because we know Bud Walton's a tough place to play. And, you know, Arkansas is going to be hungry to try and, and turn the tide here a little bit because the last thing they need is, you know, two losses on I think what would be quad two losses to Missouri so not quite quad three but they can't drop two they can't get swept by Missouri one just because they need some momentum right now but 
if Missouri gets a win on Saturday, they will be 2-0 and against Arkansas. They'll be 1-0 and against Ole Miss. And they'll have done a lot of work to basically assure that they won't be playing on Wednesday in Nashville. Arkansas will suddenly be in a real, real jam if they're behind Missouri, who owns the season sweep. And, you know, it, it's just going to be really hard for them to, you know, make a push to the 8 or the 9 seed because they've got to go to Tennessee. They have LSU coming in, and then they've got to go to a Texas A&M, which is playing better. So for Arkansas, this isn't just about stopping their NCAA tournament bids from going out the window. This is about trying to, you know, avoid playing on Wednesday in Nashville. So a lot of stakes for Arkansas this weekend. It'll be interesting to see kind of where their headspace is at when Missouri comes in. Yeah, because they're they're scuffling. And and really, so the first, uh, so they they won on the road, which was the first game without Isaiah Joe. They beat Alabama um, in a close game. Turnaround came at home, lost to Auburn in overtime. Okay, it's understandable. Auburn's, you know, playing well, all that kind of stuff. Uh, then they lose, turn around and lose Missouri in overtime. Uh, then they go on the road and just get blown out by Tennessee. Uh, come home, play a tight one, but, but a last-second tip in at Mississippi State. Go play Florida, and they don't even score... 60 points which you know for an Arkansas team with you know some of the firepower they have is a little surprising um so that's two road games where they barely hit 60 points 61 against Tennessee 59 against Florida they have played well better at home so in the stretch without Joe overtime loss to Auburn they scored 76 and then Mississippi State they scored 77 and lost by a point um, and that's all without Isaiah Joe. So if, let's say Isaiah Joe comes back, doesn't really give him much. I still think that this is a game that Missouri, even though I, I, I think that they can win it, um, because I'm just, I've always felt all, all year long that this Arkansas team is a little overrated. Um, even like to me watching them sort of be in the thirties and forties in Kempom just didn't quite make a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, but hey, you know, like the analytics are what are what they are, and and right now they're forty forty eighth. Sorry, um, they were forty fourth against Florida. So I really like th- this is a game where Arkansas is still kind of the same team. If you can harass them enough and force Mason Jones to have like a tough night shooting i think this is a game where you can you can steal one at bald walton it's 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 a lot to ask uh, particularly for the way missouri has played on the road but it's possible yeah Ar- i just looked it up in hooplands arkansas uh in this stretch of games 0.97 points per possession on offense 1.06 points per possession allowed so basically 10 points per 100 possessions worse than the opposition right now so it's it, it's not going well. The 46.0 effective field goal percentage, uh, not great on the offensive glass, just 24.7% offensive rebound rate. Not shooting the twos well at all. They're at 45.1%. Just there, there's not a lot offensively for them right now that's going right. And, you know, maybe Joe helps them, but I, I almost think this is a situation similar to what we saw 
you know, with Mark Smith last year where maybe Joe comes back and tries to get them something, but, you know, you have a knee procedure and you've been out and, you know, you got to play your way back into game shape a little bit. Maybe you're a little bit rusty. Uh, if you can give them something, they'll take it. But this feels like the danger zone for Arkansas right now. Just that they have not, you know, when they've cracked, you know, 76 points, you know, 75 points, only one of those has been in regulation. The, the offense has just not been what you would expect from them in the interim here. And I'm not sure if Joe can come in and be the instant sort of catalyst that some people are hoping for. But, you know, it, again, I'm inclined to, to think like you, which is, you know, it's a tough road game. You know, bounces tend to go the other way. But if you can pick one up here, you know, suddenly the the home stretch gets a little bit more favorable because you're going to, have a game that I think you should win at Vanderbilt if if all things are equal. That you should get a road win there, and now you're 15 and 13. You're seven and eight, and you can start thinking about an eight or a nine seed uh, going into Nashville. So it's a, an opportunity here to really, I think, pick up the velocity that they've been able to to sort of start over this stretch. So, uh, so let's just say hypothetically uh missouri finds a way to beat arkansas on the road that puts them at six and eight uh if they were able to beat vanderbilt they're seven and eight going into a stretch against mississippi state who beat the absolute snot out of them in starkville uh ole miss which is i envision would be a tough game because even when ole miss is um not always played well, but they've typically played pretty well at home. Uh, and and the home game against Alabama could come down to, you know, possibly getting to an eight and ten record. Um, like to me, like that's why this uh, this game of Bud Walton is is really kind of important. I think it is more likely Missouri beats Arkansas at Bud Walton because of how these teams are trending than going to uh going to oxford and 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 winning there so if you win that game you beat vanderbilt now i think you're in a place where if missouri fans want to get you know sort of uh into fantasy land where you can start to maybe consider the way that this team is capable of playing now jeremiah tillman because i think there's uh been rumors on our slack channel that uh um that jeremiah tillman might be back for this weekend so if he's if he's playing well enough down the stretch uh and if you can get the next two games in the win column i think at that point you can maybe start to consider this to be the kind of team that might make the nit yeah yeah they got it to me the goal right now is to get into the top 75 of net I think they're about 86th right now entering the day. Top 70 of net is probably a safe spot to feel like you could get to the NIT. So if you can, Arkansas is still going to rate well enough to to give you a little bit of a boost there. If you could pick off either State or Alabama in the closing stretch, like if you could win these next two and then split with State and Alabama, you'd feel pretty good about getting into the top 70 of net and giving it not to say that you'd host an NIT first round game, but you'd get into the field there. And I, 
to me, the bigger sort of implication right now is to, if you're looking at it from a stepwise progression, is just improve your SEC seed. Just get out of the Wednesday game. You know, it's going to be tough because A&M, Tennessee, and Alabama are ahead of them in 7th, 8th, and ninth. So it's going to be hard to move up from 10th. But the bigger deal right now is to beat Arkansas, get three wins against Arkansas and Ole Miss under your belt, and use that as insurance to, at worst, finish 10th. Just get out of the Wednesday game. You know, get somebody like Alabama in the 7-10 game on a neutral floor, and maybe you get a win in Nashville and combine that with what you've done down the stretch and you get an IT bit. Like, that to me is the goal right now. It's just to improve SEC seeding position. And if that along the way helps your IT bid hopes, all the better. But I'm sort of, I don't want to get too far ahead of of where the fans are here and just sort of say, just avoid playing in Wednesday in Nashville. That's like become, in the last five years, like one of those spots seems, you know, saved and reserved for Missouri. Just, just get out of the Wednesday game. Just avoid yeah. Wednesday entirely, and and see you know whatever else flows from that, all the better. Yeah. So at five, I, you know, I think they, they're probably out of that Wednesday if they if they get two more. So get two more. Um, if you can pick up another one or two, but the main thing is is I. Like we'll see how things go on Saturday. Um, I really think this is a an intriguing game, and and I, if Missouri can find a way uh, to go into Bud Walton and, and upset the Hogs, um, I think it would go a long way towards convincing. Um, I mean, not not necessarily us, because you know I I think overall this team has largely underachieved all year, um, even with the injuries. I, I know it's, it's, we've sort of, you have to put a caveat on the season because of injuries to Mark Smith and Jeremiah Tillman, particularly Tillman when the injury happened right before a tough stretch. There's just no way you can't talk about the progress of this team without mentioning that. But they still underachieved. Um the way that they played in Kansas City, um, the way that they went through the opening stretch of nine games plus their game against West Virginia was terrible. Um, and so you can't like discount what the expectations going into the season, which let, let's see this team make progress. Uh, maybe the, the projection in the 30s was a little bit high. Uh, they, but they were still, they should have been a team that, that hovered in and around the 50s, and they, they've really failed to do that uh, until this like late stretch where they've, they've played moderately better uh, and have, have, have played well enough to win. So I, I think win on Saturday, let's start pushing that momentum <laughs> uh, you know, back up to improve your net rank, ranking and uh, and... And improve your Kempom rating, and then I think I, I think you'll get you'll get more people excited. Well, um, well, I, think, I, I think like the hardcore fans are already pretty excited, but well, I think the hard part is, and we've mentioned this, 
like two things can be true. They can be showing, you know, some signs of growth right now, but the the structural things we've talked about with the roster still exist. Like they could get to the NIT, maybe win a game, but you know when mid March or late March gets here, they're probably still going to have to go find an impact wing, whether that's uh, you know in the transfer market uh, a JUCO, maybe it's a kid uh, a good recruit that you know gets kicked loose in a coaching change, you know who's let out of their LOI. The need for an elite wing is still there, um, and th- that's not going to go away. Um, Torrance Watson's just wherever or whatever has happened in his development is is still, you know, something that needs a reckoning because I don't think anyone saw just any of what's transpired unfolding here. Um, I think the other thing that we'll have to be careful of is like if Missouri closes the stretch well here, there's going to be the temptation to say, well, they're bringing a bunch of guys back and, you know, they'll run it back. And and we did that last year because we thought, you know, there's a natural progression that happens most of the time for sophomores, you know, we're going to have to, I think, be a little bit more cautious in, you know, waiting you know, the importance of these final eight or nine games of the season. And like you said last week, if you had to pick the SEC pecking order starting, you know, once the season is done, if you had to forecast where it was next year, it, it would be hard, even with this, the signs we've seen so far, to pick Missouri higher than ninth or tenth with the current roster. So all that's not going away. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't think that, and, and, and I'm not trying to like yeah. rain on the prayer. I'm just saying, like, what's going to be hard is there's going to be a lot of if if it unfolds the way we're talking about here, where Missouri rallies and gets to eight and ten, gets an NIT bid, you know, is going into the off season with a little bit of momentum. You know, are we just going to wind up in the same position where we were last off season, which is where we were thinking, okay, we've seen some progress from like Xavier Pence, for example let's bake this in as durable. And I don't know if we can do that. You know, I think it's going to be, you know, a situation where this team gets less benefit of the doubt and, you know, is going to have to surprise us early in the, early in the season next year to really sort of ease any skepticism we feel. So it's, like I said, feel good about what's happening right now, but I think, it doesn't erase the what's transpired in the first 22 games here. It's just been clearer to see the progress now, but it, it's not sort of it's not dismissing all the sort of deeper questions that sort of exist about you know the structure of the roster and sort of where player development has to go. Well, and and I will say that you know like we talked a few weeks ago about you know, how much of a reset the program might need in the off season. Um, and so let's say that they finish eight and 10, which, you know, like I said in study hall today, I think that's, that's, that's your goal is to finish at that, um, at that mark. So if they finish eight and 10, it's record wise progress over last year. Um, 
you know, their non-conference schedule was a little bit tougher, uh, which I think, you know, led to a similar but slightly better record. But I still don't think it, it changes what your needs are. And I, I question whether or not you can answer your needs with the, the limited scholarships that Missouri currently has available. Um, you know, and, and I, like, I'm not here to say like, oh, okay, you need to run off this guy, run off this guy. Um, I'm never going to be the guy that says that. But at, at some point, there are guys on the roster that you have that you have to start seeing progress from. Um, and if you don't, then I think it's usually amicable to try to find them a better landing spot. And Missouri, for a long time, has not seen the kind of progress that we need. And we still, like, we still don't get what we need from Javon Pickett or Torrance Watson. Um, you still don't get what you need you know, around the rim from Mitchell Smith, like Mitchell has bought into playing hard and defending and taking charges, uh, rebounding. I mean, rebounds his butt off. Um, But you pass him the ball around the rim and like he's basically unable to score it against competition. Um, Leave him open, you have a chance. So, you know, I I think when you're you're talking about the structure of the team, if those are still going to be main cogs going into next year, they either need to vastly improve and become more efficient, uh, or you need somebody in those roles that is. If you want this team to go from maybe a, a preseason ninth or tenth projection uh, into a team that is uh, going to be a regular contender for an NCAA tournament, and and not just making the tournament, but a higher seed, because I still think the pieces are in place if everybody's healthy um, for this team to be a bubble team on. Uh, you know, if if everything kind of breaks their way a little bit, so I don't I don't think the overall structure uh, structure of the program has changed. My issue is more like they have not developed or played well enough uh, for me to think that the the bulk of the minutes that are going out to guys are good enough to kind of get where where I think Conso wants to take the program. It's, it's about hard choices at this point. You know, what we know, and, I, and I've repeated this ad nauseum, is, you know, there's diminishing marginal returns the longer a guy is here. You know, the biggest gains we see are usually in the first half of a player's sophomore season. Like, usually. If we're talking about, like, analytically in terms of offensive rating, you know, and then traditional stats. Like, and then you see... Some guys, you know, plateau a little bit, you know, about 20 games into their sophomore season. So what what you have to really do, I think, going into the offseason now is assess the fact that, you know, for better or worse, Javon Pickett is what he is. Um, Torrance Watson is probably close to a finished product or what you're going to get from him moving forward. You should probably be more modest in your expectations. Pinson, um, for how well he's played right now in this stretch, um, there are still times where um, he's loose with the ball. There are still lapses off the ball defensively. Um, his best play is still putting him in a 1-4 flat situation. Um, his ability to operate in the pick and roll is not nearly as efficient as Drew's is, but you know he's a guy who can at least create offense for himself. Um, so the question is, could you know, 
could he evolve into a you know pretty consistent starter for you alongside Pinson. Um, outside of that, I just think you know we talk all the time about Missouri. You know, is going to be a program that has to you know get to where it wants to go by building a stable core of guys. And you know, for as much as you know this program has these guys have not developed in the way that people might have hoped they've at least been together enough they're bought into the program bought into the culture you know as far as chemistry in the locker room it, it, that's where you want it to be but now it's the question of okay that's great and we have the culture where we want it but are these guys going to get us to where we want to go and so it's that's where I think to the finish line. Yeah, to the finish line. A way to get the branding in there. So it's <laughs> like this feels like an off season where it's like you kind of have to really test your principles. You know, like we're, we want to. We want guys that are all in. We want guys that are bought in. We want guys that are tough. We want guys that you know are, are gonna you know give everything they have you know on the floor. That's great. You can have those guys, but at the end of the day, are they giving you what you need to? to get to where you aspire this for the program. And I'm skeptical that there's some guys on the roster that are going to help them get there. But are you willing to risk the culture you've cultivated on the bet that you can upgrade, especially in, you know, in what could be a free-for-all of a transfer market? So it's as we close out here, I just think it's going to be an interesting next two months for the program. You know, can they finish well now? And then how much do you tinker with the chemistry on hand? Those are, that's that's going to be a fascinating process. Yeah, and who elects to leave of their own accord, if anyone, um, for whatever reason, whether it's you know professional opportunities or um, you know transferring out for what their own want versus maybe uh, some some soft guidance uh, that maybe they're a better fit elsewhere uh just to kind of create space for uh for some additional bodies that that you know might take this team from like we've said i i i think on their their best night you know a solid sec team to one that that can you know compete um more at the top of the league um so yeah so we're gonna have some really i think more fascinating conversation about like the roster construction after the season. In the meantime, this is a very important game on Saturday. Um, but even if Missouri loses, which they are projected to by Ken Pomeroy, uh, and it's been a while since they've won on the road, I still think that this is uh, the, the probably the more important thing is make sure you do not have a letdown on the road at Vandy. Uh, try to Try to sneak that win. Try to beat Mississippi State at home. If you can hold serve at home, capture one on the road. That's three wins up, uh, and you're uh, and I mean right there, you're you're at uh, at eight wins. I think I think that's possible, um, whether or not it's likely. But uh, either way, like that's where I think Missouri needs to get to. That should be the goal. Uh, and I think if if they can get there, then there's a lot more positivity going into next year matt anything else nope i think i think we've sufficiently uh 
tried to keep expectations modest here for, uh, for our fair <laughs> listeners. Uh, yeah. So less of a downer. We're always based in realism. Um, I'm looking forward, Matt, because I uh, have been sick. Um, and I'm looking forward. I'm going to have my maybe my first whiskey in like five days. Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> You're getting the shakes over there. Oh, it's, I'm looking for it. Well, I got that that bottle of Heaven Hill. Um, has not been been opened. I'm very excited about. Uh, for those unaware, if you see a bottle of Heaven Hill seven year bottled in bond, um, it should be priced at about forty to forty five dollars a bottle. DM uh, at Matt J Harris eighty five. <laughs> give me your Venmo, and I will give you money so you can give me one of those bottles. Pick pick one up. It's uh it's it's supposed to be really good. I have not cracked one open, uh, or I've only got one, but I have not cracked it open. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so for me, I'm Sam. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sam T Snelling. Uh, him, he's Matt. You can follow him at Matt J Harris eighty five. Uh, we're both on Twitter. We both write at Rockham Nation. Uh, make sure you're subscribed because we have. A football podcast uh, in the works. I think maybe next week they're going to record. Um, to be announced. Uh, uh, I think it's it's, it's going to be BK and Nate. Don't tell them I told you. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you wait until the end of the podcast. Yeah, so I got to listen to the whole thing, right, Matt? Yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.